0: Amen. Amen. Please do be seated. I could have tricked all of you and said, stay. No? (laughs) I'm sorry. You should see some of the smiles that came back. That was pretty good. (laughs) Number 353. 353. I turn back a few pages, number 316. receive our evening offerings at this time. And Jimmy, would you ask the Lord's blessing on the offering, please? Father, we come to you this evening. We thank you for the day you've given us. Father, we thank you for the church that we have to come and worship you in and to hear from your word. Father, we pray that as we go through the services here tonight, you just give each and every person
1: present. Father, that if there needs to be a decision made for you, or that
0: tonight it would be made. Pray for our pastor as he brings the message pray you give him the words to say father we ask that you just take this offer now we pray that you would bless it pray that you would use it for your kingdom we ask this in jesus name amen, amen. out with number 450. 450. <clears throat> tonight, uh, a second here, to Proverbs chapter 25, Proverbs chapter 25, and you've heard the expression, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime, and that's kind of the motivation behind tonight's message, is uh, I've had a, a few questions here lately about uh, meanings of words and, and ways to interpret different things. And one of the uh, things in interpreting the Word of God is you have to interpret what are called uh, figures of speech. And there's a lot of them. Matter of fact, uh, I didn't ever count them up because I'm just telling you, I'm not that kind of an expert. But one man who counted them up says there's over 200 different figures of speech. And that means types of figures of speech. In the Bible, now I will tell you this: they basically boil down to two different kinds, okay, maybe three and uh, and so we 'll <clears throat> we'll take and we 'll look at that here in just a moment but uh, and, and so, if you will uh that 's our motivation here tonight. want to take and, and, and talk about that now, I had opportunity this last week um, there 's a lady where I get my glasses, and she's, she likes studying the Bible, and so anytime somebody's excited about studying the Bible, I'm excited to talk to them about it, and, uh, and uh, she said, oh, I can't go to, I can't afford to go to college for this, and I said, well, if you're going to study what she was talking about, it would be good for you to study a, a topic called hermeneutics. Now, that's a fancy name for essentially what means how to study your Bible, the science of studying your Bible, And it's very important um, to take and to know how to study your Bible. And if you were to ever take a debate class, you would be taught this. If I can get somebody to accept my premise, you have to accept my conclusions, okay? And so a lot of times when people are debating, that's exactly what they're trying to do. They establish their premise. This is the way I think. This is the way my argument is built. And you must accept it because. And... And so the same thing applies when it comes to studying our Bible. Now, we believe, and if you will, I'll give you some fancy words here. How many of you all believe we uh, uh, interpret the Bible literally? Well, and I'm not setting you up. We do, but we do interpret the Bible literally. But if something is using a figure of speech, is it literally the words, okay, Or is it literally the meaning of the figure of speech? Okay, that's an important thing and an important distinction. The reason for that is this, is uh, the Bible says that if Israel would have repented, I'm paraphrasing here, excuse me. But it said, if Israel would have received Jesus Christ, he would have been as a hand who gathered his chicks unto himself. Well, please take this the right way. God is not a hand and Jesus is not, okay. So what he's trying to do is trying to get us to understand a certain principle, and he has to use a figure of speech to do that. Now, I'll develop this more here in just a moment, okay? And so, lest you think this is not important, it is, it's vital, it's very important. So, if we literally interpret the Bible, then we need to literally interpret the figures of speech to help us to understand what they mean. You can't say God is a chicken. That's a, it's a silly metaphor, but I use it because it's extreme. Um, and we also believe in a grammatical Anybody know what that means? Grammatical means that we believe every word, okay, uh, according to the grammar, okay? So if you read it, you have proper grammar. And so figures of speech are part of grammar. We also believe in what's called verbal inspiration, okay? And verbal means this. God inspired not the thoughts of your Bible. God inspired the, the words of your Bible, okay? The very words. And so if he picked a particular word... Then you got to ask the question, why did you pick that word? Um, how many different, uh, uh, have you ever heard this? There's like, uh, the Eskimos have like 70 different words for snow. You guys ever heard that? Now, how many words do you have for snow besides ick? <laughs> how, may, how many words do you have for snow, honestly? Well, think about it. You can think of more than one. There's snow, there's ice, ice blizzard, 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 flurries, sleet. What would you say? Slush, okay, and so we just sitting here have talked about eight of them, okay, and so my whole point, if I was to tell you the difference between snow and slush, would you know the difference? Would you know the difference between snow and ice? You would know a difference, and so words communicate, all right, and so God takes and he uses his words to communicate. By the way, and this is just added on here, but that's one of the reasons that there's such a battle for the text that we use for interpreting our Bible, we believe in the King James Bible, which is interpreted from what is called the Textus Receptus Greek New Testament. Okay, The opposite of that is what is called the critical text. There's a number of names for it, but just for easiness, uh, the critical text. And sometimes there'll be different words used. And so you've got to ask the question, which one do you think God wrote? Okay? And there's, there's reasons for that. Uh, by the way, is, is the devil pretty good at questioning words? Okay, And so remember this. God inspired the very words, okay, of your Bible. Not the thoughts, but the very words. If he wanted a different word used, he would have used a different word. Why? Because if if we know eight different words for snow, God knows eight different words for snow. You all understand that? And so God is communicating. Uh, The best example that we usually use along that line is the word for love. There's a big difference between agape love and phylos love, okay? We always use that illustration. And uh, and so, God picks the words he wants to. So, when he uses a figure of speech, he's doing that on purpose, okay? So, let's learn about figures of speech tonight. And again, the whole purpose is for us to get into our Bibles and study it for ourselves so that we can take and feed ourselves the Word of God. I want to feed you on Sunday. We need to feed ourselves Monday through Saturday. You understand that? Okay? And so, Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 1, the Bible says there, uh, these are also Proverbs of Solomon, which the man of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied out. And, and so he very clearly says these are Proverbs. Okay, well, what is a proverb? We'll get to that here in a second. But then notice what he says to us. In verse 2, he says this, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing. Okay. Now, how many of y'all think God's wanting to hide things from us? Anybody, my personal opinion, I'm not a big fan of Easter egg hunts, okay? But please forgive the illustration. If you're going to have an Easter egg hunt, how many of y'all make it so that the kids can find them? There's nothing worse than finding an egg three weeks later. You know what I'm saying? Did I miss y'all? Let me have a better illustration, okay? My whole point is this. God's not trying to conceal things so we can't find them. He's just saying, I've put things in there for you to find. Y'all understand that? And so in verse 2, the Bible says, Glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings. And are we kings? Come on, how many times do I have to preach it? Are we kings? We're kings. And the Bible says, but it is the honor of kings to search out a matter. And so God is saying this. I've, I've put some things in the Word of God that as, as, if you will, believers as kings, it is your privilege, it is, it is your honor to take and to dig these things out and to get these things out. And so God is, it, here's just another tool that I'm hoping to give you to be able to use to accomplish that. Well, let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the privilege to take and to sing your praises, to worship you with our giving. We do pray that you would be with those who are apart from us. You know every need. And Father, now we just pray that you'd meet with us, open our understanding, encourage us in the word of God, strengthen our faith, and then help us to be used to take and to teach these truths to those around us. Father, we do love you and we thank you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so the first thing I want to talk about is the types of figures of speech, okay? And if there's 200 different kinds, you can take it, you can, uh, if you will, have a general category. I'm not going to be able to go over all 200 of them. But there are similes, there are metaphors, and I, I'm going to lay a, 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 a fancy name word here on one that, don't even worry about it, but you'll understand the reason I'm teaching it here in a second. There's another one called the synecdoche, okay, a synecdoche, all right, and uh, a simile. How many of y'all know what a simile is? What's a simile, Jimmy? Hungry as a lion, or hungry, as a horse. hungry as a lion, okay, so... Very good. A simile is any time that you compare something using the words like or as, okay? And so think about that. Why would you want to take and use a simile for something? I'll I'll talk about that here in a moment, okay? And so a simile is when you take and and, and when you compare or contrast something and you say it's kind of like this, all right? Now, uh, (laughs) one of the reasons for this, and I'll, I'll just hit it, is if you don't know what something is, you can't explain it by what it is, you have to explain what it's like, okay? And so how many of y'all have seen heaven? We haven't seen heaven. But has God told us what heaven is like, okay? Now, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be like that. And to be quite honest with you, unless it, it talks about it directly, hell might be different too, you know, in a sense, if, it's, if it uses like or as. If it, it says it's like or as, and we'll see that here in a minute. What's a metaphor? Anybody know what a metaphor is? Yes, sir. Yeah, you, it makes a comparison without lo, using the word like or as. And, and so the one you're familiar with, our God is our rock. God is our rock, okay? And so in First Samuel 2.2, 2, the Bible says the, the Lord God is a rock, okay? And so you can imagine, it doesn't say he's like a rock, it says he is a rock. By the way, why would he say uh, the two words? Why would he use one, a simile one time and a metaphor another time? Well, he's not like a rock. I mean, he could be in this, but he is a rock. He's a foundation stone. He's a cornerstone. He's a capstone. He, he, is, uh, he says, uh, Peter, I am the rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Amen? And so, if you will, uh, he's saying, I am these things. And so, it, 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 again, it is, it is a way of comparing and contrasting without using the word like or as. Go to, uh, since we're so close, go to Psalm 18 and verse 31. Psalm 18 And somebody tell me where the metaphor is here, okay? Psalm 18 and verse 31. Oh, well, that's our rock, sorry. (laughs) I thought I was getting you to a different one. I'll I'll get you to a different one here in a second. Do you see it right there? Uh, uh, Psalm 18, verse uh, 31 says For who is God save the Lord, or who is a rock? Save our God. And so he's saying he is a rock, okay? Now, how many of y'all believe God is a rock? Nobody, okay? Matter of fact, idols are made out of stone, correct? And so he's not trying to say our God is a rock. How many of y'all realize this is clearly a figure of speech? Our God is not a rock, but when he's trying to describe what our God is like or as or without like or as, a metaphor, he's saying our God is a rock, okay? Okay? And so he's not saying God is a rock. Now listen, get a hold of this. Is this important? Yeah, because if you're ever reading your Bible, you can come up against verses that say some things. And you're like, well, the Bible says this. And say, so, said, yeah, but that's a figure of speech, okay? You've got to be careful not to take and, and make it more than it is. And you certainly don't want to make it less than it is. You just want to make it what it is, okay? And so the Bible says here the Lord is a, is a rock, okay? Uh, go also to uh, since we 're there, first uh, Samuel two two. go to first Samuel two two and what 's the metaphor here? First Samuel two two well that 's rock again i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry I keep thinking i 'm taking it to where it says. Remember in the New Testament? And I think it's John chapter 10. I just, I'm just i sorry, I didn't write this one down. In John chapter 10, he says, I am the door to the sheepfold. You understand that? And so is our God a door? No, he's not a door. Is he a door metaphorically? Yes, okay. How, how, how can you understand Jesus being a door metaphorically? How, explain it. Talk to me here. Say it again. He's the way, yeah. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so, if you're going to go by the way, amen. Any other way? I mean, He is the way. Yeah, He's in control, isn't he? he? He's the one who shuts, and no man opens, and opens, and no man shuts. That's what the Bible says. It's another place where it describes His action as a door. So, if you're going to heaven, when you when we say this, there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Meaning, you got to go through Jesus. He's the one that controls the door. He's the one, by the way, it's the way, but it's also an entrance, okay? The entrance to, 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 to heaven, okay? And so you see, uh, Jesus is not a rock, and he's not a door, and he's not a shepherd, but he is all those things metaphorically for us to be able to understand. We'll, we'll deal with that more here in just a second. Because these are descriptive statements that are used to communicate more literal aspects about the subject of the metaphor, Meaning, we can't understand who Jesus is because we've not seen him. We've read about him. And sometimes you've got to take and you've got to get your mind around it. You know, one of the classic illustrations of the use of metaphor is, uh, comes from India. And it's about uh, India-type Indians. And um, there's four of them. And they're all trying to describe what an elephant is. Have you guys ever seen that? It's a very common description, and so they're are, there are four blind um, uh, Indians, okay, if you will, from India, all right? And so one comes up, and he says, an elephant is like a rope. Well, what's he holding on to? <coughs> holding on to a tail. And another one comes up, and he says, well, an elephant is like a wall. What's he talking about? His side, okay, and so you, you guys get the point. And so the whole point is this, is... Would, would being a rope or a wall or whatever, do you remember the rest of them, the four? The four? I can't remember. The trunk, you know. Say it again, yeah, like a trunk of a tree. Yeah, very good, a trunk of a tree. And then I forget what his nose was, but anyhow, or maybe ivory, anything like that. Now, let me ask you this. Is an elephant like a rope? I'm not trying to trick anybody. Is an elephant like a rope? Well, kind of but he's certainly not a rope. You guys understand? An elephant is not a rope, but aspects of his being is like a rope, and his aspects of his being is like a wall. And so when it comes to understanding who Jesus is or understanding who God is or understanding the Bible, a lot of times God has to give us figures of speech so that we can get our mind around what it is. Uh, uh, you guys ever, uh, we're going to read one here in just a moment, a parable, excuse me, a proverb that's going to help us to understand what kind of city this city is, okay? Now, have you guys ever read your Bible and it says such and such a city and you just go, "Uh uh-huh, 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 and you just keep going? You all understand? Uh, By the way, was the city of Jericho uh, a, a strong city? How do you know? Well, does it say that in the Bible? I don't think it says that in the Bible. I haven't said that. It does say that in history. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How, how do we know what the city of Jericho was like? Why is that important? It might be important to help us to understand the, the context of the portion of scripture. I'll show this to you in just a moment here. Okay. And so, if you will, um, there are similes, there's metaphors, and then a synecdoche. This is going to be an interesting one. Go to uh, uh, go to Genesis chapter three and look at verse nineteen. This is the very first one that I could find. Genesis 3 and verse 19. And a synecdoche is when a part is used to describe a whole, or a whole is described to use a part. Okay. Now, if I say Cleveland won today 9 to 2, uh, how many of you all would understand that the entire city of Cleveland didn't win 9 to 2? What would you understand? Nine to two, just take a guess. Football or baseball? Yeah, well, hopefully not football. that would be a bad game, wouldn't it? <laughs> okay, so, so, so probably the baseball team won nine to two. So when I say Cleveland won, I'm not saying all of Cleveland won. And you say, Pastor, I don't understand. Why is this important? I'll show you why. Um, in, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19, The Bible says, in the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread. I'm telling you, that's a synecdoche right there. Okay? How many of y'all think that you eat because you sweat? What does he mean when he says you sweat? Most of you, when you work hard, you sweat. Okay? And so he uses the expression sweat for you to understand that you're going to have to labor for your food from now on. Y'all understand that? And so he's not saying sweat makes food grow. Come on. And That might seem obvious until, folks, you get into spiritual things that you don't understand and you don't have a context for. And, 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 and so you need to know that that is a figure of speech and how to interpret it, okay? Let me give you a little bit better example then along those lines. Go to Isaiah chapter 20 and look at verse 2. Isaiah chapter 20. And here's the question I want you to answer. How, how much clothes does Isaiah have on? Isaiah chapter 20 and verse 2, and answer me this question, how much clothes does Isaiah have on? How many of y'all think this might be an important question to answer? <clears throat> no 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 yes yet, huh? How many of y'all think God asked Isaiah to walk around naked for two and a half years, I believe it is. Can I just tell you this? I've always thought that. Until I studied this. Okay. So what I'm trying to tell you is that the Bible says that he walks around shoeless and without his sackcloth and he calls him naked and barefoot. Is that what it says? Okay. And so, what does he mean by naked? Okay, that is the question. Now, barefoot, probably obvious. He probably was barefoot. While well, you take your shoes off, I don't know if they had socks 2,000 years ago. Did you? Do you guys know? I don't know. I, I doubt they did. Okay, and so if you will, he took his shoes off. You can imagine him walking around. But the Bible says here that he took off his sackcloth and he was naked. Okay, now what is sackcloth? Yeah, it's a it's a garment for mourning, but it's an outer garment for mourning. If you guys were going to go mourning, uh, what kind of mourning garment would you wear? Talk to me for a second, think about it. Well, maybe we don't do this like we used to, but what color would you wear? You'd wear black, okay. And so if you were were wearing your mourning clothing, let's pretend this is black, he's saying, I'm going to take off my mourning clothing, okay? Now, a better illustration would be this, not this, but a better illustration would be that I took this off, okay? And let's assume I have a T-shirt on on underneath here, okay? And so, if you will, he's literally saying here that he would walk around without his outer garment on, okay? Now, if I came to church, folks, and and a lot of times I do come to church with just a shirt on, okay? But if I came with just a T-shirt on, how many of you all that would get your attention, four of us, if I just came in a t-shirt, would that get your attention? How many of y'all would say, why don't you go home and get dressed? Right? I am dressed. I got clothes on. Well, you're not dressed for church, okay? And by the way, in this, in this particular example, what he's saying here is this, is when you took that outer garment off, it was as if you were walking around naked because you're not fully dressed, you're not fully clothed. You're walking around in your underwear, Okay. And so, if you will, was he walking around naked? It says he was walking around naked. Talk to me. I'm not, I'm not trying to trick anybody. No, he wasn't. But having said that, metaphorically, was he walking around naked? Yes, okay, and that was the whole point. He was communicating a message to Israel about if they didn't shape up, they were going to walk around and not even have a mourning garment, okay, if you will. He was talking about how... Uh, uh, how bad their condition was going to be because, that, uh, because they were obeying idols. If you read the context, that's what it's talking about. And so my whole point is this, is um, when he talks about it, he says, take off that, that, that um, sackcloth and you'll be naked. Was he naked? It all depends on how you define it. He wasn't, if you will, without clothes, but he was unclothed. Y'all understand that? And so he wasn't walking without clothes, but he was walking around unclothed. And so these are three types of figures of speech that we come across in our Bibles on a regular basis, okay? So now go, if you will, and I want to talk about, if you will, extended similes or extended metaphors because God doesn't make it easy like that all the time, okay? God is a rock. Well, uh, uh, he is like uh, this, okay? Uh, and sometimes he uses proverbs, and sometimes he uses parables, OK? So let's talk about proverbs. Go to First Kings chapter four. First Kings chapter four. And look at um, verse 29. First Kings chapter four, verse 29. Now notice something here. The Bible says, and God gave Solomon, what's that next word there? Wisdom and, what's the next one? Understanding, and then it says exceeding much. How many of y'all think he he had things figured out? Okay. Um, Have you ever tried to explain something difficult to your child? And they don't have the vocabulary to understand it. Know what I'm talking about? How many of you all believe this? Solomon was smarter than we are. And he had insights into the word of God. that it? It must have been difficult for him to communicate to us. And so he had to use Proverbs. We're going to see that. That's going to be the next thing we read. He had to use Proverbs to, com- to communicate his level of understanding to us. Why? Well, we're all the children of a God. We're babes in Christ uh, at at the beginning of our faith. And and so, if you will, the Bible talks about Proverbs being written by Solomon by a very exceedingly wise and understanding man. And there's other Proverbs in the Bible, and I promise you, if the person who wrote them wasn't exceeding wise and understanding, God's the author of all Scripture. He's exceeding wise and understanding. And so sometimes he has to take, and if you will, use words and expressions to get it so that we can get our mind around some things okay uh well what do i mean keep going the bible says and largeness of heart even as the sand is on the seashore by the way how many of y'all think sand on the seashore is a metaphor yeah okay or, or excuse me a simile as as uh, as sand on the seashore he's talking about how much his understanding was okay Anyhow, verse 30, it says, and it says, And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children in the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. Now, by the way, just for fun, how many of you all believe Solomon's wisest next to Jesus? Y'all with me? But folks, I would, I don't know if these people are saved, but I would like to meet these next guys they all got listed in the Bible about how wise they were, and yet the whole point was to say Solomon was wiser than them. I'm just saying, there's some things we don't know in the Bible, I would love to know that one, okay? So anyhow, he names all these people who, who, who are famous for their wisdom. And then the Bible says here in verse 32, here's our verse, the Bible says this, and it says, and he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Now, notice what he says, because he says he spoke of Proverbs, and then he says this to try to describe the tools that he used to help us to understand, because he says, and he spake of trees. How many of y'all think our theology is greatly dependent on trees? Well, it all depends if he's using a tree to help you to understand some deeper principle. Y'all understand that? You guys ever heard the illustration about being deep-rooted, being flexible like a palm tree? Come on now, amen. And so if you will, uh, he, he says he, used, he spake of trees from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even unto the hyssop that springeth up out of the wall. Uh, by the way, he's talking about mighty majestic trees and weed pest trees. <laughs> okay. uh, the Bible says he spake also of beasts and of fowl and of creeping things and of fishes. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all the kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. Again, we're kings. We have the ability to come and to hear his proverbs, okay? And so, if you will, this is a uh, proverbs are a wisdom literature and a device used to help us to understand wisdom. I got asked a question anybody ever read philosophy? Have you? Can I ask you a question? Is it confusing? Yeah. <laughs> it's very confusing. Okay? And my point is this. is philosophers a lot of times think at a level that's just beyond you. Okay? And it's just hard to understand. And so he's saying, I'm trying to communicate my understanding to you in a better way. I'm going to use a fancy word here, and so please forgive me. But um, uh, anybody know what this is here? It's a bottle. Who said bottle? It's water. It's not water, is it? (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Amen. So do me a favor and explain to me what this is without using the word bottle or water. That's water. (laughs) Container's bottle. (laughs) It's a hydration delivery system. Would that be a good thing? Okay. Folks, a tautology is when you use the same words to describe something as the thing that it is. Well, it's watery container. Very good. Does that help you to understand what this is? No, because could you put something in it besides water? So it's not really a watery container, then, is it? Okay. And so my whole point is this, is it's not describing what it is. That would be a definition. Okay. Okay. It's not describing what it is, it's describing what it's like, okay? And, and so if you will, it's, it's, it's like a hydration delivery device, I, okay, something like that. I, I can't think of anything better. I was, I was uh, sitting there and talking with Mindy, and uh, if I had a glass right here, okay, a glass, glass, and you say, well, what is that? It's a glass. And they say, well, describe it for me. Well, it's made of glass. Does that, does that mean anything to you? You can't say a glass is made of glass because it's, by the way, are all glasses made of glass? No, so I really didn't describe what a glass is. If I said, what is a glass? Come on now, help me, what is a glass? It's a hydration delivery vehicle. Come on now, work with me. Y'all understand, you can't use the same words. Why? Because they're meaningless to you, okay? You can't use the same words, so you have to use Words saying it's like this, it's like that. Well, our God, what is He? Well, He's God. I appreciate that, but what does that mean? How do I get my mind around these things? And so that's why God uses these things, and that's why He uses people like uh, Solomon to take and to define them. I want you to see the first proverb I could find in the Bible. Go to go to First Kings chapter four, please. First Kings chapter (laughs) four. And look at verse, uh, look at verse uh, twenty nine. Okay, First Kings four. and verse twenty nine, and the Bible says this: It says, "And God gave Solomon wisdom much." Where he read that? I'm sorry, I think I heard somebody said that. I didn't pick up on it. Uh, where are we? Go to. Uh, here's the first one. Go to Numbers chapter twenty one. Numbers chapter twenty one. Okay, Numbers chapter twenty one. Now a minute ago I said, "What are the cities like?" Okay. Um, Somebody describe Aurora for me. What's Aurora? It what? It stinks of. Does it? (laughs) Okay, stinks of dog food. All right. It used to stink of plastic. So you know, a long time ago. Uh, Somebody describe Monette to me. It stinks of chicken. Okay. So uh, so we could say what it smells like, all right? Uh, depending on which town you're from, you might say one town's better than the other. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, you're getting ready to conquer the land, okay? And let's say me and, and uh, Wade, we get our army buddies together, and, and we get a couple tanks and some bazookas and stuff like that. And we go and we conquer the city of Freistadt. How long do you all think it's going to take? About 10 minutes? (laughs) She's got a battle plan. She's ready to go. Get (laughs) them. How long would it take us to do Fort Knox, Kentucky? It wouldn't? You don't think? Wade and I are pretty tough, man. (laughs) I'm strategy. He's tactics. We could do it. We could do it. No, (laughs) that's what this proverb is communicating, okay? In Numbers chapter 21 and verse 27, the Bible says this. It says, wherefore, they, they that speak in Proverbs say, you see that? He says, they that speak in Proverbs say, it says, Come into Heshbon, let the city of Sihon be built and prepared, for there is a fire gone out of Heshbon, a flame for the city of Sihon. It hath consumed Ar of Moab, and the lords of the high places of Arnon. And You know what he's talking about, if you'll take the time to study that? He's talking about how the giants lived there. And it took a superior force to conquer this city. And everybody who comes up against it gets defeated. And the rest of the story is how God walks in and defeats the giants there and takes the city. You all understand? And so what he's trying to communicate with this verse of scripture, and I'm, I'm not encouraging you to go back. Because it, I mean, it took me a minute to get my head around it. But my whole point is this. is He's trying to say, you don't understand. They didn't conquer Freistat, Missouri. They conquered... What did I say before? Fort Knox, Knox, Kentucky. This is Kentucky, right? Help me. Okay. (laughs) Would there be a difference? And would that be a meaningful description? Yes. Okay. And so it wasn't just saying, well, it's like a really tough city. No, that would be a simile. A proverb is, no, it took fire and battle and tactics and giants to conquer this city before. And so it's going to take something special to conquer it again. Y'all understand? It's an extended simile or an extended metaphor trying to get us to understand how difficult this city was to conquer. Go with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and look at verse 37. Deuteronomy chapter 28 and look at verse 37. He's talking about the nation of Israel here, saying, if you turn unto idols, here's what's going to happen to you. And, by the way, he's getting ready to give them the promised land, the land of Eschol. By the way, if I say land of Eschol, what's that mean, guys? Talk to me. I'm using a metaphor. It's the land of Eschol. Guys, we haven't sung that song. Where the grapes of Eschol grow. You guys remember that song? If somebody can remember that one, we'll sing It's in our red hymnal. Okay. Uh, Don't you remember when they sent in the spies to seek out the promised land, and they said, it's a land that floweth with milk and honey. By the way, how many of y'all think they had rivers of milk and, and pools of honey? What's he talking about? He's talking about, if you will, the agricultural abundance and how wonderful, and just in case you didn't understand the metaphor of a land that flows with milk and honey, two guys walk out carrying one cluster of grapes. Come on. And those were called the grapes of Eschol. So if I say it's the land of Eschol, you say, wow, what an abundant, wonderful, blessed promised land. Got it? Well, now he gives him a proverb. If you turn unto idols, here's what's going to happen to your land. And in verse 37, the Bible says this it says, And thou shalt become an astonishment, a proverb. And a byword among all the nations whither the Lord shall lead thee. is this great Israel? Is this God's promised people? They're going to become a byword. They were so blessed of God. And now by the way, folks, what did I, I'm reading this book about uh, World War II and what the Germans felt about the Jews, and they had the lowest opinion of Jews. To where that they held them in lower esteem than they would an animal. Okay, they didn't listen. They didn't think twice about killing them. Okay, and I don't know about you. Is there a big difference between a human and an animal? Well, not if you turn unto idols, because God says you'll become a proverb amongst the nations, like unto Jerusalem. And if I said that to you, you would say, "Oh, don't turn your back on God." Why? Because that's what happens. And all they did would say, like unto Jerusalem, like unto the children of Israel. You all understand? And they became a proverb when they went into Babylonian captivity and when they went into captivity because of Rome. And so those are proverbs, extended uh, similes or metaphors to help us to understand a little bit more or to communicate more truth. Um, Parables. What are parables? Okay. Well, I don't... uh, Let's... uh, Let's go real quick to 2 Samuel chapter 12. I'm sorry, I misread the clock. (laughs) 2 Samuel chapter 12. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, look look at verse 1. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him and said unto him, there were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. By the way, was there really a rich and a poor man? Huh? Was there really a rich and a poor man? Is he talking about a real human being here? No. Folks, get a hold of this. When he talks about a rich or a poor man, is he talking... Because he says he, one had a guest and it came time to feed and so he killed another man's lamb. Folks, is he talking about a real thing or is he telling a story? It's a proverb. It's an extended simile or an extended metaphor to understand what a terrible thing this man had done. By the way, what was David's response? And for sake of time, you guys know it. He said, that man shall surely... He understood what it meant. And then he didn't understand who it was, though, until Nathan went, you're the man. You're the man. Folks, again, let me ask the question. Was there really a rich man and a poor man? No, it was just a story to take and to communicate. Now, you can say, well, David was a rich man. Yes, that's the whole point. But David's a king. The other one was a soldier. You all understand that? I'm just saying that he was using a story to say, this is the situation. This is, do you understand what the situation is like, David? Yeah, I understand. Well, what should happen? That man should surely die. You're the man. You're the man. And immediately, he filled in all the details and understood what Nathan meant. Y'all with me? Okay. Help me now for a second. Go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And we could go through many other places here, but this one's one of the easiest. This is, if you will, the kingdom parables in uh, the book of Matthew. And and, uh, Jesus is teaching us what the kingdom of heaven is like. Okay. And so skip down to... uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, the Bible says this it says, And he spake many things unto them in parables. By the way, why did he speak in parables? You remember? He had enemies who wanted to kill him. And he couldn't speak directly because as soon as he said, I am the Son of God, what would they have done? They would have tried to kill him. Okay? So he couldn't speak directly, so he had to speak around it so that they could understand and yet tell them the truth okay well the Bible says this and uh, it says uh, behold a sower went forth to sow and when he sowed he sowed some seeds fell by the wayside did Jesus do that huh by the way that's not Jesus that's just anybody who preaches the word because we see later that the seed is the word of God okay and then what's the wayside somebody tell me here What's the wayside? You know what a wayside is? That would be a good reason to have a dictionary and look it up. Okay. But uh, anybody here ever plant a garden? Do you walk on the whole garden or do you just walk on the path? Okay. And that's the wayside. And so whenever he's sowing the seed in his field, there's the wayside. And some of the seed fell on that wayside. Now, it was never designed to grow. And so the birds of the air come, the enemies The devil, who's, by the way, the birds are, that's the devil in his bunch, okay? And what do they do? They take the seed before it can sprout, okay? And then some fell on stony ground and some, did did that really happen? None of that really happened. What is he trying to say? He said, I'm going to tell you what the kingdom of God is like. So what does that mean? Anybody here ever had a chance to witness to somebody? Have you ever seen somebody that's hard-hearted? And you try to tell them things about Jesus. And what, it, what happens when you tell them all these wonderful verses that get you so inspired and excited? What happens?
1: Okay.
0: That meaning look? Mean look? Oh, the mean look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They change the subject. Very good. It, meaning what? It's just bouncing off of them. Kind of like seed thrown on a sidewalk. Because that's what a wayside is, folks. It's a sidewalk. And so if you will, you you have such earnest. I want to tell you about Jesus. I love him and he saved my soul. And don't you want to go to heaven? And they just, yeah, whatever. I'm not interested. And you say, I don't understand. And Jesus says, I tried to tell you. Because some people, when you sow the word of God, they're just going to shake it off. And the devil's going to come in. They're not even going to remember what you said. Let me ask you a question. Anybody here ever get depressed? When you've prayed about it, you've prepared for it, you've gotten so excited to tell somebody about Jesus, and you tell them about Jesus, and they go, yeah, whatever. Anybody ever get depressed? How many of y'all would be a little bit less depressed if you realized God told you that's how it was going to be? Anybody here a gardener? We don't have any gardeners in here. Well, let me ask you a question here when y'all plant your tomatoes, do you get depressed about the tomatoes that don't come up that you planted on the sidewalk? I'm serious about that. And yet, how many of us get discouraged when somebody doesn't respond the right way and we poured our heart out to them because we're so burdened for them? And Jesus said, you need to realize that the soil is as important as the seed. Come on. It's like this, believer, and it's as that, believer. And let me tell you what these cities are like, and I'll tell you what the human condition is like. You all understand? And God gives us these things not to be literally understood, but to help us to understand principles that make us more victorious in our Christian walk. Meaning this, if you prayed about it and you poured your heart out and you did your best and they didn't respond, that's on them. Did you ever see somebody that you gave it to them, they got all excited and, man, got in church for a little bit, maybe even got baptized, and then three months later they're gone. And you say, maybe I offend them. Maybe I did something wrong. No, something was wrong with their faith. You know how I know that? Because Jesus described to me what the kingdom of God is like. Come on. See, God is taking and using these things. And a lot of times we just look at them as, oh, they're nice stories. No, 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 God is trying to help you to get your mind around things that we can't understand naturally. I'm going to ask this again. Anybody here ever been discouraged because you poured your heart out for something and then the response was negative and you walked around and blamed yourself for a week or a month or a year? Maybe even got yourself a good depression going on? Amen? And Jesus said, I told you that's how it was. Please take this the right way. But God tries to help us understand things that are beyond our capacity to understand. And he does it with similes, metaphors. Proverbs and parables. And some cities are hard to be won. Well, uh, what does that mean? That means some cities are hard to be won. Some people have a hard heart. Some people care more about the word, the world, than they care about your word. Some people just can't stand up to the oppression. And then anybody here ever just made a mess of it, and yet they got saved and baptized or a faithful church, church member? I mean, if you've ever had that privilege, you ever had a privilege? Get, that's why I don't ever take credit for if somebody gets saved. If somebody gets saved, well, that's, that, it was, must have been that wonderful message I preached. Well, please forgive me for my arrogance, but I, I, oh, I think I've preached a couple decent messages in my 30 years. Six of them. I'm, I'm up to six. You all, you all with me? And nothing happened. And I've come to this same pulpit and made a mess of it and the altar be full. Amen? Maybe God's trying to show me something. It's not about you. You just be faithful to scatter the word. And I'll work on the increase. Amen? These similes and metaphors are more important for our understanding of the Bible than we think because God is trying to help us to get our mind around concepts that are too hard for us to understand. But a wise man has broken it down and said, it's like this, and it's like this, and it's like this. And it's like this. Would to God, when we go to our Bible, we'd be looking for these things. Not just make everything literal, though we should interpret it literally, okay? But if it's a metaphor, understand it as a metaphor and get the full blessing and the wisdom that God wants us to have from the Word of God. Let's all stand.